Hi folks, and welcome to the first episode of the new podcast, Senior Send. My name is Jacob Fanoff. I am a fourth year environmental science major here at UCLA. And each week I'll be interviewing and having a nice discourse with my different friends here in Los Angeles. Um, and this week we have... My name is Emily. I'm a senior at UCLA as well, studying human biology and society. Nice. So today's topic is going to be graduate school and everything leading up to it, everything that is going to come from it later on in life. So Emily, first off, why don't you tell us what got you interested in going to grad school? When did you decide, you know, this was for me? Okay, well, I came to UCLA really interested in science and I started working in a lab studying antibiotic resistance. And I loved doing that, but I was really interested in all of the research I read on the policy surrounding antibiotic resistance and the dis different ways in which legislature could be used to impact human health. At the same time, I started working at the law school, just that was kind of random, but I would like listen to these colloquia events and be like, wow, this is so interesting. So. My interest just kind of evolved over the years and throughout my classes at UCLA and law school just seemed like the natural next step. Right. Okay. So you're applying to law school, but also you're doing dual programs, right? PhD? Yeah. I'm. A, well, no. No? No. I'm applying to a few um, dual masters in public health programs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But still. But not at every school. Not at every school. So we have JD or JD MPH. MPH. And then there are a few schools that have some like bioethics or science policy dual programs that I'm also looking into. So that's one of the biggest differences I've noticed between being a senior in high school, applying to undergraduate and being a senior in undergraduate and applying to graduate is how specific everything is. Oh, it's so specific. Like you think you think coming to school and being like, oh, I'm going to be an environmental science major. I'm going to focus on that because that's specific and that's what I'm interested in. Well, the program here at UCLA, we have tons of different minors and concentrations that we have to pick. And now going to graduate school, it's like applying to a lab, at least for me for PhD, applying to a lab of a professor who's doing research that I'm super interested in. Um, how is that like for master's public health and JD? Yeah, I mean, it's a different, it's a little bit different for law school because the law degree is a little bit more general. You're not doing research, you're learning all of the basic law concepts, but you can definitely specialize in specific areas, but that's not something you necessarily need to know before you start school. Now, the MPH is a little more similar to what you're saying. You do need to know your area of concentration and but there are like five main areas of public health and within those there are many different topics and you don't necessarily need to know exactly what you want to study but if you're doing your phd then that's a different story yeah so a master's public health that's two years 
It's usually three years, but with the dual programs, you can get it done in an additional one or two years. Okay, so that's pretty good. And then law school, is that another four? Law school is three years. Okay. All right. So you've done all that before, like, the earliest I would be done a PhD. <laughs> uh, looking at four to eight years, most likely around six, I think, is, like, common. Um, yeah, so what determines the length of your PhD program? It's all about... I guess how well your research goes, um, for anyone who doesn't, has not had firsthand experience in research, um, we both have, um, I have been working in an environmental engineering lab here, um, on campus since I was a second year. And if I've learned anything, it's that like research is not going to go how you expect. And that is what you should expect from it. Um, we're now on, our third year, um, I am not on a published paper yet. Um, I am on four different papers that are currently quote unquote in progress. Um, but nothing official. I mean, things were going pretty well, um, you know, before the COVID-19 pandemic, um, finally getting some different experiments finalized, uh, had some things under my belt, um, my own project all ready to go. And then unfortunately, we were sent home. Um, so going off of that, how how do you think this pandemic has influenced your pre-graduate school experience between classes here and applying? Um, what do you think it's going to be like when you start next year? Oh, that's a good question. And I don't know if I have the answer, but <laughs> definitely, like you said, the pandemic impacted my research. I was working on a couple projects that just kind of came to a halt because they're not allowing undergraduates to go back into the lab, at least in the department I'm working in. So I did miss out on some laboratory research experience, but I guess that won't be entirely necessary for the career path I'm taking. Um, there were some other projects I was really excited about, though. I was collaborating with some professors at the School of Public Health here on a project and that just kind of was not our priority once the pandemic hit but overall it's been okay I don't know if I like online classes quite as much as in-person classes and I can't say what next year holds I'm hoping we might have some in-person classes but I don't know what do you think well, I just want to start off by saying I absolutely hate online school. <laughs> my favorite part. <laughs> let's of, be honest. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, my favorite part of my undergraduate academic experience here was going into my lab and working. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, definitely knew I was on the right path going to grad school there. But um, it's been terrible. I mean, think about back in spring quarter. I did nothing. I got good grades and I did nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I miss just walking to class. Like, being on campus and seeing other students was so important to my college experience. Yeah, and now here we are in fall quarter, and it's not just me. It's even my roommates. I'm sure you can attest to this. But it's like all of our professors have decided they've had a, a quarter to get used to this. Now we can just hammer on the work. I mean, I'm in four lab classes and a seminar, and each one wants a lab every week, a homework every week, um, not even counting like other assignments, like projects or like different responses to lecture notes or like, um, anything like that. 
Yeah, I agree. I think my classes are now more based off of weekly update type of things rather than one big test. And maybe that's how they've adapted to the online platform, but it just seems like a lot of work. And it's very difficult to do all of that while also applying to graduate school. It is. I mean, I, I said, oh, we, we did it in high school. Um, granted, college is more difficult, but the application process should be less grueling. We don't have the giant, like, personal essay that's going to dictate which schools you get into. Um, I mean, you took the GRE, but fortunately, in my case, it was waived, so I didn't have to have the exam for any of my schools. Um, and I thought it was just going to be, you know, writing that short little 500 word personal statement and, uh, you know, moving on. But there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, it may be a little bit different for PhD as opposed to JD, but you can talk about how <laughs> it's a constant battle to get your recommenders to write a letter. <laughs> yes. um, and then for the PhD, reaching out to prospective advisors, these professors who are conducting their own research, who are teaching undergraduate classes who are um, instructing their graduate students on what to do. And here I am, some senior um, at, a, at a school that, you know, is not where the professor is asking, hey, can you spare an hour to Zoom me so we can talk about your research? It's very time consuming. And we all know professors are busy. Yes. Um, bless their souls. <laughs> uh, so many emails. Uh, I always feel bad having to send a follow-up and be like, hi, just wanted to put this at the top of your inbox. I know. I feel bad sending those emails, but we shouldn't. No, because my my PI has stated over and over again when I'm like, oh, I don't want to like rush you. I don't want to pressure you. She goes, part of being a professor is writing these letters of recommendation. Like, and if you're a research professor, um, if you're going to be the advisor for a graduate student, part of it is talking to new and prospective graduate students. I mean, of the professors that have gotten back to me, um, I've had meetings, they've all gone great. They've been super thankful that, you know, I reached out to talk to them about my interests, what they're interested in, and kind of bridging the gap between the two. Um, but it's still daunting. It is. It's scary. But I'm sure they're so excited to have students who are interested. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be so thrilled if I devoted all my life to like, one subject and some other person was like I think that's cool because I am just so excited when someone is at least remotely interested in my work I mean I back pre-pandemic when uh, we were allowed to do field research it was basically going to Venice Beach uh, taking some ocean water samples um, swabbing some surfers to uh, test their microbiome and uh, going back to the lab to process everything um, that was a great time. I absolutely loved doing that. Um, but now we're not doing that. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Of course. What is the one thing you want to study for the rest of your life? How do you know it's the right thing? See, I don't know. Like we were saying how everything is so specific. I guess the way at least applying for a PhD has, has shaken out is looking at different schools and if they have a program that I'm interested in. I mean, I'm applying pretty much split, either um, a few schools here in California or a few back in the Northeast where I'm from. Um, and the first step is just making sure that the school has a program you're even remotely interested in. Um, and for me, that's microbiology, environmental engineering, um, environmental science in general. Um, and from there, it's looking at all the professors in the department and seeing what they're specializing in. Um, for example, 
you know, one school I'm applying to is environmental nanotechnology, and another one is genetic recombination and repair, and yet another is um, environmental viruses and their transmission throughout different organisms. So, like, all of those are vastly, vastly different things, <laughs> um, and I'm still interested in all of them. Um, they I never, all sound so cool. They, they do all sound cool. It's hard... Like hopefully I'll have a decision as to like where I'll eventually go, but it's going to be it's going to be a hard decision because it's not just about you know what program is the coolest. It's where am I going to live my life for the next forty eight years? It's do I get along well with this with this advisor? Would I get along well with other people in the lab? Um, and of course financially, what they can offer you. That's a good point. No one goes to graduate school, you know, make a fortune. Um, you're living by the stipend and you know whatever other money you can scrape together from teaching. Um, but you know, we still need enough money to live. Well, those options are going to be really exciting, and I'm sure your particular interests will evolve as you figure out what you want to do. I mean, they already have. Yeah. You knew I entered here, and I was super interested in genetics, and I wasn't quite getting out of my degree program what I was expecting um, one thing led to another enter environmental science and then from there specialize in environmental engineering and that has led me to environmental microbiology environmental genetics um, basically you know anything bio you can just put environmental in front <laughs> of and it makes it that much more interesting in my opinion um, but definitely hone my interests um, I always take pride in the fact that I got so lucky with my lab. I absolutely love it. Yeah, your lab is really cool, I have to say. Like, coolest advisors, coolest research, um, always doing fun things. Well, nerdy things, but fun <laughs> things. Um, I absolutely love it. I just have to keep doing it in grad school, you know? <laughs> I, that's a good feeling to have. That means you're on the right path, right? Yeah, except... Now, this time, it's not going to be me, you know, listening to another graduate student just delegating tasks. It's going to be me delegating undergraduates as to, like, doing different tasks. Are you excited for that? You finally get to be the boss of someone? I mean, I kind of already am. Okay. <laughs> um, I became, after my first year of researching in the lab and spending the entire summer here um, volunteering, I did get... Um, head undergraduate researcher position and field research coordinator position. Um, so I was delegating undergraduates. Some were seniors when I was still wow. a sophomore or junior. Yeah, but... subtle flex. Um, but, you know, it was, it was an odd feeling. In group projects, usually, um, I mean, we've been, we've taken classes together. We have. And we've taken classes Can where... Can we talk about our opinion on group projects, first of all? Oh, boy. <laughs> we, we'll get around to that in a, in a sec. That'll, that'll be okay. the next thing. But um, you know how I am in group projects. I, I usually let someone else take the lead, and I'll, I'll get my work done. Yes. Um, I, say, I say you're a little bit more of a leader uh, when it comes to that. You take more initiative in doing what you want to do, but nonetheless, get your work done, work as a team, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um. But now I was just given everything that needed to be done. And it's like, you do what you want to do, what you think you need to do, and then just give out the rest. And I mean, it, it went pretty smooth. Yeah. I don't know if this is a feeling you've had, but I feel like sometimes in the lab, I'm just like, what am I doing? 
that was me my first year. Yeah, definitely um, at the beginning. Yeah, when, when I started, I started solely as a field researcher. And when they finally allowed me into the lab, I had no idea about anything. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to it's learn. stuff you've never done before. No. And it's so specific, like you said. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure we do some similar things in our labs, but for the most part, they're completely different. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing water filtration, bacterial culturing and isolation, um, PCR, qPCR. DNA extraction, what do you do? Um, well, we're looking at the evolution of resistance to multi-drug combinations. So it's a lot of just making these combinations and then reading them in the spectrophotometer and seeing the bacterial growth rates over time. All right, so yeah, complicated stuff. I don't know how to do any of that. <laughs> um, but it, it varies so much from lab to lab and to be completely honest depending on what lab I get into as a PhD student I will probably need to learn a completely new skill set of something I've never done before like I've never even worked with a virus I've never worked with anything but bacteria and here I am applying to a program that uses yeast as a model organism and another one that focuses solely on viruses but it's exciting that there's so much to learn and so much that we don't know. Yeah, because I feel like I have a, I have a good base um, and these aren't skills that I'm going to necessarily lose. But moving forward, I'll just be able to expand that skill set and learn how to do even more things. Yeah, for sure. All right, so so going back to back the group, to the group project, project. You've been waiting for that, haven't you? <laughs> I have. What, what, have your, what has been your general opinion of group projects as a UCLA student? Well... You know, they're, they can be good. It right? totally depends on the group. Oh, yeah. And, for example, like, working with you was great because we were already friends yep. and everyone in that group got along and... That was that was the model group project. I agree. Like, I agree. We, like, everything went well. Yes. E e even if a team member, you know, wasn't, you know, pulling all of their weight, like, <laughs> it, it was still picked up. We had a team member for everything. Yes. Like, different personalities just worked together. Yes. Everyone kind of did what they were interested in doing. Mm -hmm. um, like, so the class that we took together is an environmental business class. Yeah. And I have no interest in business. I don't know about you. Um, I've dabbled in it a little oh, bit. Oh, wait, you're an entrepreneurship I minor. I am. Yeah, so you're definitely interested in business. But I was not. I was interested in this class to show how, like, you know, consumerism and capitalism... Um, capitalism. Capitalism. <laughs> um, aren't the end-all evils in the world. Um, or are they? Oh, well, uh, that that's up for debate. That could be another <laughs> episode. Um, but at least in this class, it showed that, you know, with a little bit of environmental regulation and policy um, and an informed consumer, they can make the right choice. Right. So it was... You know, me and some other friends from my major and then you. And like you said, we worked right. It was like the model, the model group. I wanted to do stats analysis. So all I did was stats analysis. And what did you do? I did a lot of the more, I would say, like businessy sort of research, consumer perceptions and that type of thing. Right. So it worked out so great because I have zero interest in what you did, <laughs> um, but I, you loved it. Right. And there were people in our group who had zero interest in what I did, but I loved it. And that's what makes a great team. That's what makes but it. And communication. That's also true. We have a great group chat. <laughs> Still oh, yeah. going. Still going. Um, over a year later now. That's funny. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's great. Um, but, you know, not 
everything is that enjoyable. So let, let's go to the other side of that spectrum. Well, I've just had some groups where you feel like you have to do everything or else it's not going to be of the quality that you want. Do you ever feel that way? Um, yes, because my first group, um, my first group assignment slash project slash class that kind of revolved around group work, um, where 50% of your grade was determined by your final group project, um, did not end well. Um, the exams were fine. The homeworks were fine. Slated to do a-okay in that class. And, um, you know, I was with some, some seniors who might not have cared the <laughs> they most. Were done. They were, they were done. They were checked out. It was a spring quarter class. They had jobs lined up. They were ready to graduate. They were done. And here I am the second year trying to preserve my GPA for my <laughs> future graduate school applications. Um, but you know, there, there wasn't communication. We only talked to each other when we absolutely had to. Um, and you know, I absolutely dove into everything that I was excited about to learn, to present on. Um, and so did they. And theoretically, that's how it should be. But when you don't have the communication, then you end up missing the point. Like the biggest complaint to, um, or, or I guess the biggest detraction of our grade came from the fact that we strayed too far off the subject matter. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it was a nanotechnology class. We had to pick a nano substance, uh, present on it, but it was environmental. So it had to have an environmental focus, um, environmental origins, environmental application, environmental implications, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that just wasn't my part of the project. My mm -hmm. part of the project was determining solely how it's made, the different ways it can be made, um, and what it can be made into. Um, and those other things that, you know, were supposed to be much more focused on the environment didn't necessarily as much. It's all about communication. It's all about and communication. And I want to add that it's never my intention to do the whole group project, but, you know, sometimes there are people who just don't care. Yeah, and no one no one wants to do the entire group project, but it just kind of just kind of happens that way sometimes. It does. And so let let's circle back to, you know, how has that group work influenced how you view grad school and how you're going to move forward with it? Um, again, I'm not as informed on how your MPH, JD, whatever, how that works entirely. Um, but I mean, you can see from your lab all the different grad students. Um, they're all doing their own projects, but they still need to coordinate. Um, they're helping each other with their different projects. Um, they're putting in work hours and hours on something that's not even theirs, but you know, it's, it's just kind of the thing to do. You're one day someone is going to help you. So the next day you have to help them. Um, you have to keep a good relationship with these people. They're coworkers from nine to five, Monday through Friday. Um, so how do you think that these group projects, both good and bad have prepared you for that? and what's to come. I mean, I think communication is key to absolutely any field you're gonna go into, whether it's grad school or a completely different path. In order to do anything, we need to be able to tell others what we're thinking and form good relationships and just be able to communicate your thoughts. Yeah, definitely. No one likes drama. No. You don't want to have drama in a in a lab. Absolutely not. And that would be a disaster. <laughs> we both, well, at least I know, I'm sure you know people who are in labs that have drama. Yeah, I've heard about it a little bit. It's not, it's, I have no 
idea what it's like because like we said I got very lucky um, I'm with a great group of people a great professor um, they all love what they're doing they're all super interested and they want to see each other succeed and even me as an undergraduate um, but that's not the case for everyone um, sometimes there's issues with your advisor sometimes there's issues with the other PhD students or even the other undergraduate students um, and that's just not a position you want to be in no absolutely not and that's why the people you're working with is so important yeah, definitely. And so one thing that we haven't touched on yet is, you know, once once this graduate school stuff is over, like, what do we want to do? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, my plan right now, well, my interest is in regulatory health law. And I think that I will continue to be interested in that, but I'm also completely open to different paths and I know that my interests will change as I learn more. So what about you? What do you want to do after grad school? <laughs> That's a targeted question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I mean, I understand grad school is a long time commitment. Um, four to eight years, that's going to put me at 26 to 30. Um, I have friends who've taken gap years between high school and college. I've had friends, including you, who've studied abroad in college. Um, I have friends who are currently um, taking a gap year this year um, due to the pandemic to, um, you know, hopefully wait it out and try to enjoy a, a more normalized college experience. And in the meantime, have um, just kind of, you know, done some exploring, whatever they can do during these times. Um, and I haven't I no gap year, no study abroad. It's a um, lot. It, it's a lot of exploring, a lot of broadening of the horizons that you kind of miss out on. Um, and I went into this year, and part of my program is that we have a senior practicum, and that um, there are a few programs within that, a few projects where you're able to go abroad. Um, past years, they've gone to like um, Patagonia in Chile and um, the Congo River Basin um, by like Cameroon and stuff like that. And those are all awesome places. And I'm like, you know what? I may not formally study abroad, but I'll go there for a few weeks to conduct field research. And now with the circumstances, um, it's not really an option anymore. It's disappointing, but I think you'll have an opportunity in your future to travel a little oh, bit. Oh, absolutely. Um, like for my project, we just found out I'll be researching light pollution in Sun Valley, Idaho one of the darkest places in the country and Very they want to cool. keep it that way. And I'm super excited for that research. I would love if we were able to do some field stuff, but um, going back to answering your question, once I graduate, I would love to take some kind of job and just live it out in France for a little bit. <laughs> the dream house in France. The dream house in France. Okay, friends, <laughs> we need to share about this. Okay, the dream, the dream house was sold, but it's it's a very sad situation. We'll just say that there was a very, very nice French exuding house in south of I'd France. I'd call it a villa. It was a villa. It definitely was a villa. You know, had a wine cellar, some tennis courts, swimming pool. It, it had it all. Everything you need. Everything you would ever want from a house in France. And the south of France. The south of France. I've never been to the south of France. Um, but unfortunately, it was sold. Um, but regardless, you know how much I love France. I do. And I would just love to go there and live for a couple of years. I would... You know, try to find some place relatively cheap. Um, I would get a job. Um, you know, I'd be fine with being like a bartender or something. But if I could find something that um, was in my field that I just spent 
four <laughs> to eight years researching, that would be even better. Um, but I want to take some time there. Um, maybe do a postdoc. I don't know. All depends on funding, I guess. But then come back and try to get into some kind of career that I can have for the majority of my life. Um, I'd love to be dream goal is, you know, head of EPA, all the power there, but, uh, you know, that's not the first thing you're going to do. So I'd love to dream. Yeah, exactly. You got to dream. You got to keep that there, but you got to work towards it in the meantime. Um, I would love to go into academia. Um, but that's a lot more difficult than it used to be. Um, my professor for this practicum project the other day was saying how when he was younger, he wanted to be a major league baseball player. And now it is more difficult to become a tenured professor than it is to become a major league baseball player. That's crazy. It's crazy. Um, So I would be just as happy um, working for a governmental agency or even a private advising agency that, you know, did the research that would lead into policymaking. Right. And that's the key. I think we have a great need for policy that is well informed by science. So I really hope that we can see a future in which scientists collaborate with policymakers and we see law that is meant to protect our earth. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that I've learned here at UCLA. Like, I'm always talking about the environment, but that's because it's connected to probably everything here at UCLA. And in the world, I mean... Well, I mean, like, majors-wise. Like, oh, you, can, you can talk to me yeah, about your major, absolutely. and then I'll, like, put an environmental spin on it. Because yeah. the environment's all around us, so everything we do is going to be incorporated and intermixed with the environment. It is. And it's that includes policymaking. We just can't have elected officials sitting in Washington just, you know, dreaming about, like, oh, well, what would this do? Right. And... We need the scientists to, to bring them the numbers to kind of help with that um, because you wouldn't expect a scientist to completely write all the policy either. Yeah, and I think there is this kind of weird thing where academic science is put in a language that the public has a hard time understanding, and I think we need to change that in order to change some other things. Right, and it's not just like passing this policy is going to be the end all. It's not going to fix everything. Right. Are, you, are you familiar with Mass V EPA? Yes. Yes, I've probably talked to you about this before. <laughs> so um, it's it's written in law. The Supreme Court decided it's perfectly allowable for the EPA to um, control CO2 emissions from our cars, to put a limit on that, um, but they don't. Right. Just because it's written in the law doesn't mean it's enforced or is even in practice. Right. And we're not economists, but we both know that if you told everyone, you know, by the end of the year, you have to have an electric car, things would turn into chaos. Um, And think about all the gas stations, all the gas companies, like it would just be like utter discord. But there's a lot of other things that go into it. You know, you, you need environmental scientists to do the research. You need policymakers to write it. You need economists to figure out how you transition. You need um, public advocates to kind of communicate to the public um, about everything, really. Yeah. About the research, about the policy, about the economy, because in this day and age, there's just so much out there that, you know, is misinformation or just lack of information. And you're only told a little snippet to make your decision. And then, you know, you have your decision and that's what you have to stand by. 
Right. There are so many different things that go into it. And at the end of the day, every little thing affects all of us and our human health as a population. So I think this just comes back to our discussion about the importance of communication and collaboration. Right. Um, so we'll start wrapping things up. We've talked about, you know, why we want to apply to our graduate programs, um, you know, what it's, what it's been like for each of us so far, what the programs are going to look like, um, and kind of how a lot of these different experiences we've had so far as undergraduates has kind of influenced everything. Um, and besides communication, that's a great takeaway, but just <laughs> people need to understand that not everything is black and white and so much of every issue is intermingled with all the other issues. Right. I think what you've made me realize is honestly how the similarities between our interests as different as they are. Right. And building on that, you need to have good communication. You need to have good teamwork because if I'm over here, you know, doing research on environmental pollutants, um, and that's, that's all I can offer. And we have you drafting policy. Um, we're going to need our friends in the econ department to, like I said, help us along with the economics transfer. Um, we're going to need our friends in the other social sciences to help with education and public communication. Um, we're going to need friends in the engineering field to help with engineering new devices and technology. So like, it just kind of all comes together with communication and specialization, but also inter intertangling of just about anything you can think of. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thanks for having me. Um, best of luck with all of your graduate school applications and getting through the rest of the quarter. Thank you. You as well. Thanks so much. Um, and I hope everyone who's listening, uh, hopefully you weren't too bored, but I hope you enjoyed uh, our content, our conversation. And um, I'll be back next week with another one of my amazing friends and another topic that we're going to pick right apart. All right. Thanks. Numero 5. Test 5, homie. <laughs>